everybody. We're back once again. It is Beer 30 Live. How's our Mary, how you doing? I'm doing great. Good to see you. Looking all... Uh, you're glowing. Oh, stop. Would you guys shut It'll up? be that way for the next, what, five months? I guess so, apparently. Something like that. Shane, welcome back once again. Am I glowing as well? Yeah. <laughs> No, no dude, I've never known He's you to glow. He's glowing in love. Well, between our, online, if exactly. heard between our guests thinking I was a woman. <laughs> <laughs> hey, did I ever That's tell you guys my story about glowing? Yes, you did. I did tell you that. Yeah, you All right, so we'll have to do that one again. Yeah. All right, good. Tell after us about the our bachelor, guests today. After the bachelor yes, the party. Bachelor or bachelor party. party. Yeah. Anyway. Tell us about our guests um, today. Our guest today is we have Meryl Watts with us. How do you spell that? It's a hard name for How people I, to get. Which, the first My, or the last? Yeah, the first. Your first. M-E-R-R-I-L-L. -L. That was a test. <laughs> <laughs> Watts, W-A-T-T-S. I spell it M-E-R-R-I-L-L-W-A-T-T-S. Ah, see, you've had practice at that. Um, and he is a, a colleague of mine at Merrill Hurst University. He's currently cool. the chair of the business and leadership uh, program in the undergraduate uh, college. And he has a very interesting background. And actually, we originally had him on to maybe talk to be talk a little bit about entrepreneurship and small business. But as we sat here in the debrief and the roundtable, we're 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 going to pull a tangent and shift gears and talk more about religion, actually. And so, um, do we want him to do his, we'll wait after we'll, headlines we'll wait. and then we'll he'll do his, headlines. yeah. And yeah. we're missing Pete again today. We are. Damn, so, Pete. Pete. Uh, Stuck with the sound again. Uh, and uh, we are having technical issues. Our show from last week um, cannot upload to the website. Yes. So um, that's why it's not there. If Pete, it ever gets there. Pete will actually be out after the fourth. Uh, so he's got a few extra days in there for good behavior. And so you should get out there like July 5th or something like that. So you should be back for us next week to be able to. Out on good out. behavior? Yeah, so. he's out oh, on he parole. Oh, he is? Yeah. Yeah. Isn't it like next week that he gets oh. out on parole? <laughs> Serving his time. Okay, man. I'm getting it. Yeah. yeah. And Mary's a little slow, but, uh, <laughs> but we love glowing. her anyways and she's glowing. <laughs> and she's glowing. <laughs> oh, please. So we have some headlines today? We do. What do you have? Uh, actually, I have uh, one that just came through the other day about the. Uh, Senate in the House in Washington D.C. voting themselves another raise. Like, so oh, they that was, did. Yeah, isn't that nice? I think the House got like 3,300 and the Senate got like 4,800 or something like that. So it, it, it never ceases to impress me. Yeah, <laughs> it, it, I know uh, they're unbelievable. Record deficits. Uh, you know, people dying in Iraq and 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 people struggling in the United States with health care and more people going into poverty right and uh, let's give ourselves a raise while we're at it because we're doing such a good Banner job, job. <laughs> well, well did the sage of old proclaim and that would be Puff Daddy that mo money no problems so <laughs> I, 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 so true it's more the same I just I, and I, I rant about this all the time you, you, the Democrats take over and oh you know everything's going to be all good and flowers are going to grow up and everybody's going to be wonderful and rich and solve all the world's problems and it's just as bad as it was before and now they've voted itself a raise so wow. how nice is that well interesting that you should bring that up because i have a, a interesting stat that i found that um in the last five months so this congress right they've been around five months about, that's about right um the republicans have voted against cloture more times than the last two congressional sessions combined. Can you explain what that is, closures? Well, closure is when you, when there is um, debate on the floor, basically. Right. Cloture is um, let's stop debate and take right. it to vote, right. basically. So you have to have so many votes to end the, right. the debate. So why? And have if they you done can't, that? then you can't take it to vote. So, interestingly enough, our own Gordon Smith, who claims he's for the working man, voted against uh, cloture so that the Employee Free Choice Act could go to the floor. And that would have passed had it gone to the floor, but it didn't. Mm -hmm. so, so that's some of, you know, what's frustrating, I know, for Democrats is there are people there trying to do things, but we, we just can't get past all the political <laughs> BS. Well, Basically. speaking of political BS, Cheney never ceases to amaze me. So, you know, now he's not part of the executive <laughs> did branch. Did you hear what Rob Emanuel did? Well, the they're, bill. they're going to try and put in a bill that says you don't get any money. Then yeah, if you're there a goes your the, house. That's exactly And right. no more um, the whatever the plane is he flies yeah, on. Yeah, sorry, you're not part of the executive branch and uh, all that did money that we Did you know what his uh, budget is a year? No. Uh, for that office, like $4.7 billion. Billion? Billion? 
Wow. I think that's right. No. Might be million. No, that'd be done in a day. I think, well, I mean, it's a lot. So they want them to go to a Senate one, which is, I think, like 100,000 or something like that. Well, it's just been increased by 2.5% since he got a raise, too. I guess, since he's part of the I guess so. Anyway, yeah, he's amazing. But, and then speaking of deficit, here's another interesting stat that I heard, that Bush's deficit is two times all other presidents combined. Yeah. That's in, insane. In real dollars, though, you'd have to you'd have to tie it back to real dollars. So that would be interesting, just because it's hard to compare because of inflation and different things. Well, but, what it really means. I mean, this war alone, we're spending like I don't know what a minute. No, no, I'm it's not insane. saying. But in real dollars, it may not be as bad as it as it looks. Wow. I mean, because my guess is it's pretty damn bad. But it's going to be right up there with Ronald Reagan. We can, <laughs> I'm not we can saying be sure to that. Yeah. I'm not the saying the two it's most not conservative good. presidents we've had in. The, the biggest century have the, the biggest deficit. Hey, I would argue that neither Reagan nor Bush, and Bush particularly is not very conservative. I mean, he is he hoodwinked the conservative base, and and he does not act like a conservative. Thank you. Well, or the conservative or conservative has changed, and you guys just haven't realized it. Uh, no, I think I think there are people who hijack. Uh, agendas. You have a, a, a right, you know, the right who hijacks conservatism and then hangs their hat on things like abortion and different things like that. And then you have a left who hijacks the Democratic Party in terms of their pet projects as well. It might be uh, racism or something like that. So I, I think both parties are very, very guilty of that. Well, Bush, I would say, is part of a neocon. Yes. It's a new conservative. Is, no. Is, yeah, I think so. I don't know if that's new conservative or not. And then, it's just well, kind of stupid and then the shill for the Republican Party or the conservative movement, Ann Coulter, did you see her lovely behavior on TV this week? I did. Yeah, she was. Uh, she is disgusting. Oh, but come on. So is Al Sharpton and Jesse Jackson. I mean, those guys they, are They don't sit and call for the assassination of people like she uh, did. Al Sharpton has done some pretty awful things. I mean, you oh, want to go back and well, start pulling and stuff Al up? Well, Al Sharpton does not, is not a shill of the Democrat Party. I, and I don't think I don't think Ann speaks oh, for Oh, sure she is. Who, sure but she who, does. Put, who puts her there? Who says she is? I mean... Well, I don't know, but she got an hour hardball show where she said she'd like to see John Edwards be assassinated by terrorists while wearing her crucifix around her neck. That, Good segue into our religious topic today. That chick's and just weird. the day before, mocking that family for the death of their son. I mean, that's it's just... It's insanely cruel and disgusting. Yeah, that, I mean, it, that does not speak for anybody... To me, who's who's sane and of the right mind, when I think of conservatism, I think of somebody, and, and maybe this is just me, I tend to be conservatively, or, or fiscally pretty conservative, but when it comes to social policies, I tend to be pretty liberal. So there's a there's a nice balance, fair and balanced mix. No. <laughs> well, that's what's interesting. When the um, uh, Corey Chisholm was on our show, or Kari Chisholm, I pronounce his name wrong, what he said is that when they when you do like polls and you sit and actually interview people, that people are typically more left than they think. When it because it all when they, you start talking the social issues with them, most yes. people do sit over on on the left side. But we are tired of the but. the tax side and and the number of taxes that we pay, which is astronomical, and a social welfare system that enables people to. Well, but we weren't paying enormous taxes under Clinton, and the economy got better, and more people got out of welfare, and and more people were working, and I, I mean, I think there is a balance. There's a balance, absolutely. So, that would just be my opinion there. Shane, what do you have? Well, mine's completely not politically related. Well, 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 maybe one is. We could look at it. Well, so uh, an article in the New York Times um, says that the city is asking. Uh, people to seek permits and insurance for public photography. So the city of New York. So basically they're saying that they're going to require any group of two or more people who want to use a camera in a single public location for more than half an hour they need to get a city permit and insurance. Why? Yeah. Well, there's a, basically they're trying to, to um, uh, just make sure that 
things are going through the right channels, I guess. I mean, there's no. Are they afraid of people making documentaries? Well, that's what I they're saying. It. The, 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 the it says taking pictures. some tourists, amateur photographers, even would-be filmmakers, hoping to make it big on YouTube, can soon be forced to obtain a okay. city permit and one million dollars in liability insurance before taking pictures or filming oh, on city property. On. Well, you know that's that what they that so Obama the, ad isn't yeah. that what they did? They yeah. went all over New York City. So now city you know the New York the New York. So it wasn't the Obama ad, but that. Yeah. The, the Obama girl right, or whatever. Right. So the uh, New York uh, Civil Liberties uh, Union is all up in arms about this, you know, about infringing on people's rights and how it's going to affect tourists and families who want to take pictures. And the city's saying, no, 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 it's not going to affect families. It's just going to be people who are out there making films. Well, you know, if you've got your camera and your kids and you're doing that sort of stuff. And you're videotaping life in New York right, City for right. your vacation. You know what? I mean... Go spend your time with so, a real yeah, issue. The requirements, oh, yeah. If anything, it's a way to raise more money yeah, and tax people money. even more. Yeah. Come, so, make more money. Well, yeah. but they're saying that the permits will be free and that uh, the application could take up to 30 days well, of the process. Well, what's the point? I don't well, that's the, you know, they were saying it went back to... Other than adding uh, bureaucracy to this. In 2005, there was this guy, Rakesh Sharma, who was an Indian documentary filmmaker. Uh, he was using a handheld video camera, just filming some different things in midtown Manhattan. And the police arrested him because he didn't have a permit. He's like, well, what do I need a permit for? Nobody's ever seen yeah, it. And he couldn't find anything in the rule books about, or the laws about needing a permit. Okay, and he was arrested so, and detained. As and the token communist, having just gotten back from China. The token communist. You have to have one, one in every group. It's <laughs> we need the token. So in China, you go to the, the, the World Heritage sites, and there are signs from the Communist Central Party Tourism Administration that tell you all the things that you can and cannot do, from spitting gum, which is absolutely prohibited, to taking photographs in large groups, to making noise, to laughing out loud, and in any other way disrupting the serenity and the peace of the other people. Now, if someone is having a wedding, and they've got a whole area cordoned off with lights, don't walk here, don't talk here, can we have a quiet... That is a very big disruption of public space. And I think to just dismiss out of hand that having permits to take photographs in a public place is, is very short-sighted and it's also arrogant that the person with the camera should be the person who owns the space. Well, I think if you're having okay, a that's wedding... interesting. But if you're going to have a wedding and you have a permit and you have places blocked off... That's fine. I yeah, mean, but that's it's not. That's not what it is. It's people who are doing their wedding shots, right? And they see a beautiful flower, and so they go and they break the whole sidewalk. It's what it is. And thus impede everyone else from walking down the street. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's for the I, you know for the <laughs> amount of disruption we are talking about. Is it should we should we build this bureaucracy for? You're a family of four, and you happen to have a camera, right. and somehow you got to get some permit, or they're going to haul Daddy off to jail. Uh, come on. And that's going to happen in New York City? Give me a break. When, well, just the fact that it's being discussed, though, and that they've got these there rules and policies. Is there a problem that they are trying to solve? Well, no, they said that uh, no. what, what they're trying to do is, is, is uh, just kind of corral in the... the, the public or the, the the professional filmmakers and things like that. Now but. what I've always maybe wondered is the people that are unknowingly getting photographed, you know, they're getting uh, photographed and is that, I mean that to me would seem a little bit more well, but where there should be an issue because but, people are just taking photographs of you or footage of you and you don't know. But it. hold on, professional photographers know that you you have to get a but release from those people okay, if you're going so. to use those for commercial, commercial purposes. Yeah. But if it's just for you to snap photos for your photo album for home because you visit New York and you got to get a permit. Come on. The other thing that actually might be targeting it towards is terrorists. Right, and that's you so. Know. Then they hook you up to the database. So is, is is Jamie on the terrorist watch list, and he wants to take photographs. And so maybe he's casing. The yeah, exactly. Right. So on the great topic of religion, so which we're going to talk about. Yes. Come on. <laughs> I mean, in outer Mongolia, Mongolia almost, the Buddhist temple area, great shrine. And I go into the internet cafe to check my email, and I turn around, and there are four bald guys. They look just like you do over there, Jamie. No hair. And they've got these, these kind of colored jackets on, and they're coming away, and I walk behind them. Violent, violent video games. Four young Buddhist monks 
And when I stood back without permission to take their photographs and it flashed. Well, you got in trouble. They, they turned like this and then they hid because they didn't want to be perceived as violent Buddhist monks. Now, I kept that photo, and I'm going to publish it, and I'm going to make a lot of money off it. <laughs> well, now, I know that we looked at a lot of your photos when he did come back, and you said that many times you did ask if you I could did. photograph the I did. natives. And yeah, and when I didn't ask, it was usually with the police, and twice I got caught. Once they were busting this motorcyclist, and when they saw I was taking the picture, they were like this. And you know, within instant, yeah. I could be in jail, right. I'd have so the camera confiscated, so... I, I walked right away very quickly. Huh. Interesting, interesting. Any well, other headlines for us? Any more? I do. Do we want to talk about this one, though? Oh, sure. Why not? All right. It? Okay. This one gets me all excited. I'm just kidding. But So, this yeah. one's called Finding Love Again with 100 Days of Sex. Wow. Yeah, so this uh, career-focused couple, not they're not I'm like... I'm never going to be in love with you, no matter how many days we <laughs> But I'm glowing. I'm glowing. <laughs> They, it was a career-focused couple, couple. So was, I think the guy was a, um, uh, a journalist and his wife, I don't know. But they wanted to revive their relationship, so they made a pact with themselves that they would go 100 days straight of having sex at least once a day. Okay. And uh, they wrote a book about it. You know, obviously they're trying to sell their book. But, um, you know, they had their challenges along the way and things was like that. Was it called Fast what? Sex Nation? I don't know what it's called, actually. <laughs> but uh, it could be, yeah. They didn't. They didn't mention the name of the book in here. What were their challenges? Uh, hundred days of sex. <laughs> what hard to schedule and no, and, yeah, things like that. I mean, yeah. being sick, being tired, the whole you know gamut of all that stuff. So I just right. thought it was funny that that was how they were going to revive their relationship. Was we're going to force ourselves to have sex for hundred days in a row, and that's going to make it work. Right. But they said that you know what they found was they were just more in tune with each other's needs and that they were making the relationship a priority and that, and that so this was, was a part of yeah getting there so some sexologist was maybe the byproduct yeah yeah some sexologist and i love how they're called sexologists too i mean that's just cool but she said Can sex I get a certificate is, in that yeah yeah well actually hold on yeah. hold on there is she this this doctor ava cadell um is the founder of the lovology university Described as an online university of mindful loving. So, Jamie, I'm sure you can mindful get loving. something from there. Uh, but she said sex is the second basic instinct after survival. That's how important it is. So, it can become boring and predictable, Jamie, as you know. Same place. Same Dude, you're giving me the death to, glare. I right feel that way, Jamie. The <laughs> told me it was exciting. Anyway, I just thought, that was, you know, when you're scrolling through and you say, hey, 100 days of sex... Got my attention. Yeah, you have to pull that up. See, yeah. I, I pull up police find explosive devices in second car in London, <laughs> yeah. right? And you pull up sexology. Well, someone's got to be the, you know, the even keel around here. Somebody's got to light things yeah. up. Which they did. That is pretty scary, though. They found two cars today. Right. And do they know with... what's the... I don't think they yet? found out who it is. Certainly no. But, uh, I mean, there are still people out there who... So no one's taking responsibility. For whatever I thought it was Tony Blair and his gang who had... No. Yeah, <laughs> That would be a question. Do they take responsibility when they're when they're um, when it gets thwarted, when it I doesn't go through? I mean, you know how they do right. after the fact, you but, know. And, but a lot of times, though, I mean, you can't even believe them because ten different groups will take responsibility because exactly. they yeah. all want credit. They so. just want their name. Yeah, yeah, you never know. Yeah, yeah, I don't know, but there are still some very very bad people out there trying to do some pretty awful stuff. Oh. So vote Republican. There's uh, always going to be bad people. <laughs> So vote Republicans, you can put more of those bad people in office. Oh. <laughs> you set yourself up. I did. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> well, my last one was just a little bit about um, the Supreme Court, and in particular, John Roberts and uh, Alito, who, you know, during their confirmation hearing said that, of course, they respect precedents and respect law, and uh, they've been on quite a uh, tirade lately putting holes in long-term standing laws. The uh, one being yesterday <clears throat> is um, kind of basically taking a huge whack to Brown uh, Brown versus the Board of Education. Whoa, 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 what did they? Well, basically, um, they said that in this one school district, um, the court ruled against two state school districts that used pupils' race in making admissions decisions 
um, designed to promote racial diversity. And so... Um, well, hasn't that been going, that's been going on for a while. They voted against uh, a couple of school, uh, colleges that had done that, too, who were using race as... University as, of Michigan was a big one, I think. Yeah, I mean, was, this wasn't too long ago, so... And this sounds well, like the same... I didn't really read into it, but it sounds like the same thing. It may be, although there's a, something to... I, I can't remember exactly, but there was something slightly different with well, the colleges. Well, I think colleges. the college was all about financial aid. That's it was about funding. Uh, and that they, they couldn't have federally funded programs that didn't meet the anti or the discrimination issues. Schools, public schools are a very different beast. Oh, so public schools who are using race as a way to promote their diversity and, and letting certain people in and not people in. Right. And the Supreme Court saying that they can't do that. Right. So thus thus kind of going back to in a way promoting segregation. I mean if a school wants to sit and say we're all white well, I'm. I, then you know, it'd be interesting. I'll have to read into it. But did the Supreme Court basically say, though, that like like businesses, you should have a population that mimics your your community? I mean, I'm going to guess. Right. Well, I mean, you know, the thing I keep going back to, and I, you know, I'm not very versed in public schools, but you know, don't you have to be in that district, right, to go to school there? You yeah, kind of have to be in so that school I'm, district. Well, I'm confused. Yeah, so. I mean, I. I guess what? Well, well I don't think it tells. I mean, I, you know, we'd have to really look up that right. that we'll actual uh, lawsuit to see what right. it was. But it doesn't sound. It was a, um, it was a white family wanting to get into a particular school, not getting in because the priorities went one siblings first. If you had a sibling in the school, you went second. Oh, this, this case was yeah. You know, second, okay. it was it was ethnic or it was race, and and they basically said. That you can't do it explicitly like that. Right. Although there are there are screens, economic, uh, right. socioeconomic levels, etc., that might have the same impact, and right. that it is not necessarily evil to try to mirror the society or to try to affect right. the mix and the diversity. But to explicitly say race is going to be one of the top priorities. Right, you can't but, do that. But it was a four-four uh, decision, and the. Uh, and, uh, the deciding vote was Roberts, wasn't the it? The deciding vote, well, it, wasn't, it was Roberts, but I think it was Kennedy who went on for 21 minutes, uh, the longest ever at the bench, <coughs> saying why he totally disagreed with the majority opinion, even though he signed on and said yes, and said this is not uh, a significant, th this is not the wholesale change that says uh, we cannot do any more racial profiling or, or huh. adjustments. Interesting. Wow. Interesting. It says here in this um, article that John Paul Stevens, who was is one of the longest-serving justices, he's 87 years old, appointed <coughs> by Ford, also denounced the decision. He said, there is a cruel irony in the Chief Justice's reliance on our decision in Brown versus Board versus Education. It is my firm conviction that no member of the court I joined in 1975 would have agreed with today's decision. Um, so just, you know, what I think is, is interesting, though, is, you know, it... it it just also shows that we have to care about judge appointships, particularly Supreme Court, when they're essentially there for life. And, you know, it, it really, in a way, they lied under oath during the hearings when they said the way that they would legislate and think on the bench, and now they're doing the opposite. Well, I, I don't know. I mean, it's easy to say that you would respect the law and you would respect the, the wishes of, of the uh, Congress and, and of the president. No, it's the I mean, Constitution. But I mean, that's, the this is the beauty of the Constitution. That. It's so open to interpretation, and 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 it changes well, as as we but how grow. But how long has things. this been a law? Yeah, I don't what? know. I don't know. If, uh, Tw I mean, over twenty-five years, something like that. I mean, they also did some stuff to, which I don't know the details of that, but to the Anti-Sherman Trust Act, which has been since eighteen ninety. I mean, that's some yeah. serious precedence that they're Actually, sitting and messing with. I was a little pissed off so, about that one too. I mean, that's. But you know, and I just sit and think. My grandfather was a a, a judge and uh, a pretty famous one in the state of Kansas and known as one of the fairest judges in the state of Kansas. has a courtroom named after him. He's been in lots of books, that kind of thing. Um, and while he was a diehard Republican and a religious man, his first allegiance was to the Constitution and to the love of law. So even if something went against his personal beliefs, right. 
you you ruled, you know, in the fairest way based on the law. And I just, I could see him, he'd just be cringing right now based on this. How so did you get on the wrong side of the tracks when you came from such good heritage? <laughs> so, careful. Well, I'm just, I mean, you're just a very Actually, famous. my grandfather was, when I say kind of diehard Republican, he was the typical fiscally conservative, socially liberal, actually. So... Um, you know, Which he is why was, I think the Republican Party He was actually pro-choice, but really why? Because of the laws and what this country's founded on right. and that kind of thing. I mean, so, you know, that's sure not despite what his religious background was. Not, not yeah, really. Yeah, right. you know, so. right. And, you know, and I may be a liberal, but I, I believe in being conservative fiscally and making good, sound business decisions. I mean, I, that's, not, that's not synonymous with the Republican Party. It's not necessarily synonymous with the Democratic so, Party either. Anyway. We'll talk about that another time. Let's uh, talk about religion. Let's do, let's do. So we've got Merrill Watts with us, and already did a little bit of introduction, but he got a very interesting background. So why don't we let you kind of tell us your interest, you know, first of all, your, your interesting religious makeup, maybe if you will. And yeah, give us a foundation. Yes, yeah. yes. All right. So, I grew up in a Salt Lake City conservative East Bench Mormon household. My father and mother had eight children before they knew how it happened. It wasn't a hundred days of sex. <laughs> no, I mean, it, it worked for these guys, right? 1972, my dad's on a uh, bus ride. He's a symphony orchestra conductor, reading a book, and boom. Jesus, Krishna, whoever it was, tells him, you know what? The Mormon church isn't it. And he started on this path, and he came back and, and sat down with the family and said, <clears throat> Kids, um, I'm leaving the Mormon church. I'm embracing Hinduism. Gandhi is my new teacher, and I've become a vegetarian. Get used to it. Now, so, how was your mom's reaction? My mom is uh, one of those simple, just do it. doesn't matter what the belief, just do it and love people. And interestingly enough, five or six years later, my father reported, that of all of the church authorities, of all the people he talked to, the only person who simply accepted him and loved him for that was my mother. And that's why they stayed together, in spite of the fact that they are in different universes and planets. So I was a Mormon missionary, straight down the line, of all the six missionaries my father sent out of the world and paid for and thought he was being an irresponsible father. Uh, I was the only one who came back and tried to convert him back to Mormonism. I was certain I was going to get him. And I was the only one who went completely AWOL. And when I threw away guilt in 1987, because I thought it was a bad deal, it wasn't long before, you know, everything goes. Joseph Smith, Jesus, God, the whole thing. Satan went a long time ago. And I spent most of the 90s uh, just as a as an angry observer at uh, organized religion in, in about 2001, 2002, uh, meditation, yoga, new age, foofy, la-la, can't touch it, can't understand it, uh, religion came into my life. And voila, I'm back in the Mormon church, full-blown participant, don't necessarily believe anything that anyone could, uh, could articulate about God, but have found that there really is a universal sense that draws people together and that the old institutions really did play a vital role in giving <laughs> giving people access to something bigger than the three-dimensional world in which they live. And now it seems... So would you maybe call that spirituality? Sure. That there's, sure. The, there's a feeling and, and cohesiveness that comes kind of through spirituality that people need and thrive on. So when people ask me from 1993 until 2005, did I believe in God? And I said, well, no, but I do believe in radio waves. And I think that if anything describes God, a radio wave does. Somewhere on the Hertz cycle, down at five or six or seven, where the earth vibrates, all the way up to the far infrared waves on the other end. I can't see most of that stuff. I don't understand, I, but I can sometimes feel the impact. And as in doing this podcast, I have no idea how wireless does it. You know, I can't imagine how it works. But 
I can accept the fact that if something's vibrating at a resonant at a frequency that I don't see or understand, mm -hmm. there may be things going on that we don't understand in this three-dimensional world. So, so he would have liked the ghost, the, our yeah. Ghostbusters yeah. show. Then. But I mean, I think that that is kind of the spirituality argument. But how does that sit with uh, Joseph Smith and the tablets and the lost tablets and? Uh, the seer stones. And, seer yeah, stones. No. So I know Jamie's just dying to ask if he's wearing if he's wearing the what? Jesus James. <laughs> Come on now, I do have to be a little careful. I know there might not be gazillions of people listening to this, but if my father-in-law father picks it up, I'm going to be in trouble. Here, here's here, I'll just say briefly, Harold Bloom, one of the great literary critics of our day, in his book The American Religion identifies all of the principal American religions that have evolved from Christian scientists to the Southern Baptists to the Mormons. And he says Joseph Smith is the American prophet, the great American prophet. Joseph Smith simply took everything that looked like truth and grabbed hold and said, hmm, I like this. This is part of our religion. Because wasn't he going through a very tough time, like his family was when he first started, Absolutely. trying to figure out religion and yeah. what it was and so what his family was going to do. He was an extraordinary, charismatic, psychic, creative, brilliant, entrepreneur, city builder, politician, and um, we haven't had many people like that. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, the, the big deal the Mormons do is, do you believe Joseph Smith is a true prophet of God? Hell yes. I mean, anyone who can access the third, the fourth, the fifth, the sixth, the seventh dimension of stuff. And in the way he did is is a prophet in my book. Mary, you're one of my favorite prophets. Oh, please. <laughs> oh, you ought to see her in our weekly meetings. <laughs> so, um, well, and I think really in all of the major organized religions, they, they all have somebody that plays that role. I mean, in Christianity, it's Jesus Christ. And, Buddhism, it's Siddhartha, and Islam, it's Muhammad. All these people that that saw things differently. And Scientology, it's Tom Cruise. Uh, yes, <laughs> that's true. Actually, Who do you represent, Jamie? <laughs> Who is actually the, is that Hubbard? L. Ron Hubbard, yeah, yeah. yeah. But no, yeah. John Travolta. But he is one of their prophets. I think they named him is a prophet. It? Yeah, they did name him a prophet. Yeah. yeah. Um, but, but where they... I'm a prophet, too. His movies aren't going to be doing really well. Does that make me a prophet? I mean, I can already tell you. can you. already tell? Yeah. It just makes you smart, I think. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but really, right? And, and if you look at them... Although I'm not as familiar with what uh, Joseph Smith stood for, but when you look across the board, they all really had the same similar message in many ways, right? Which was around loving yourself and treating people well and, and doing what's right and not doing unto others what you wouldn't do to yourself and right. and living in harmony. And I mean, it, ultimately, right. it. Am I right or am I? No, I agree. With you. I mean, I think they all have this. I mean, I, I think a lot like Merrill, I think modern religion has hijacked yes, a lot I, I of totally spirituality and, and, and kind of used rules and stuff to push people and get them to do what they want them to do. To rather control than, them. Yeah, and rather than focusing on the, the positive things that religion brings in terms of loving your neighbor and uh, something bigger than yourself and that, and that sort of stuff. Well, I think our big one is uh, loving yourself, which, you know... Is I think a big. I don't want to hear anything out of your mouth because I know exactly what you're thinking. Hundred days in a no. Exactly. Kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I think the most interesting thing about religion is that it would be very difficult to find a war that is not driven by religion. It would be very difficult to find conflicts that are not driven by God. And I, I, I get no more joy out of any story than. The first time I went elk hunting with a bow, and the guy I was with, as we left his house, he's, he, as we're in the car, he goes, well, my daughter just said this prayer, and said, bless all the little bambies and the little deer that they don't get hurt. And that night, we have gathered some wild mushrooms that I found, we're making this little stew, trying to say the prayer. And he goes, and bless us that we'll be successful in the hunt. 
you know, and I can just imagine if, if, if you were God playing ping pong, you know, and, and the Muslims go, oh, and then the, the Jews go to, and the more, I mean, it's just an insane thing how much of our identity is tied to our belief system yep. and how vital it is that that identity be solidified and locked in and codified and canonized so that it can't change and it becomes the anchor. Therefore, everybody else has to be wrong or different right. and we're the only right ones. Yeah. And that is the control that the churches have had. And they are the institutions, just like government, which I think is becoming more and more obsolete as information becomes more and more accessible. And we no longer have to rely on a few to, to provide decisions. the decision-making. Yeah. Well, and I think the one thing that has really kind of bothered me that has, has seemed to come to the forefront, I mean, it's been going on for a very long time. This isn't anything new. But how much people hate and hide behind the, the shield of God. They justify their hate because they say right. it's not what God would have wanted. And I, 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 and it's just like that, to me, is, is the complete opposite of what Absolutely. it all stands for. I think it's a fear of lack of control of things, though. I mean, that, yeah. to me, that's what religion comes down to. Of, you know, There are things we can't control, like dying, and to a sense we can in some things, but, well, let's but it's create happen, something. But it's going to happen, so there's nothing you can do about yeah, it. Yeah, so I let's mean, create something that makes it better, and that we can feel like we have control over it, and that... You know, that's where that comes in, you know, hiding behind that, that, you know, the fear of God is hiding behind your lack of control over things. So. That's a good point, yeah. You also look at the history of religion, and almost all religious traditions come out of some oppression period. Yes, exactly. That is, how do we, how do we give hope to the people who are in a hopeless situation? We say, well... <laughs> The next station is going to be better. If you endure this one, if you're meek, if you're humble, if you're poor, if you're beat up, if you're abused, if you're whatever, the next one's going to be good if you believe, if you do whatever, whatever. And, and then that happens and we get into a place like we are in the, in the United States for 100 years where we've got abundance and we've got And then it becomes really difficult to justify the onerous load that you're carrying around of a religious structure that is, for all intents and purposes, outdated, outmoded. Archaic, kind of difficult. How, how does uh, so? You obviously have a very broad view of, of religion. I mean, there are people who have been excommunicated out of the Mormon Church for broad views. That kind of think of the lady who is the archaeologist who wrote the the big book about she can't find any evidence of the big battle that supposedly went on that Joseph Smith talks about. But there's no archaeological evidence that ever existed, and so she's been. According to her book, you know, excommunicated. So, well, how does that work? Yeah. I mean, she's questioning one of the premises of of, of the religion, and it has a more worldview. Uh, I think the culmination of, of Mormon excommunications and dogmatic uh, control came in the early 1990s when there were six uh, intellectuals excommunicated on black. Sunday in September of, I think it was 93, and these were very bright, believing, contributing Mormons who crossed the public line. It really doesn't matter what you say in private, but if you say this on a podcast, and then it goes back to Salt Lake, then it's a problem. But if you say it in private conversation, it's not a big deal. And whether you're talking about Mother God, or whether you're talking about Book of Mormon historicity, um, we face it, DNA... Uh, analysis over the past three or four years has basically proven that there is no link to the Hebrew bloodline in the Americas. So what does that do? And interestingly enough, very, very few of the Mormons I know even acknowledge that it matters. It's like, well, they haven't found the truth, or we don't know what it means, and it doesn't affect the faith, and faith becomes very powerful in that way. So. Any church, I think, that doesn't protect its core by saying, you can't say this, you can't do this, doesn't survive. Any, any church that doesn't have a way of, of doing missionary work and of bringing people in ultimately doesn't survive. And, and there's this tension. But you take a young church like the Mormon church, it's 150 years old, there's a lot more protection of what, what they think is the nut than there is of a 400 It gives them a bad church. name. I mean, it really puts them in a position of... It's like... It, it, you could lump it in with 
Scientology and saying hook yourself up to the e-meter and I mean it all it doesn't really do anything so if we kick out people that say well I'm not so sure about the the Hebrew bloodline because the DNA doesn't show it then it's not very inclusive and you put yourself in kind of a negative light don't you in, of course, in terms of being very much so. intolerant or, or not accepted so. and but but if your community if your entire life happiness if if the the family values that you've got if if the if the the everything that's good in your life is tied to yeah. this church it's pretty easy to dismiss the stuff on the edge right because your self concept is wrapped up in that and yeah. as soon as you acknowledge it then in a way you're pulling you're pulling the rug out from underneath yourself right and i would challenge anybody who wants to tell me that my faith is not valid to prove it you cannot right. well, prove it. You cannot prove it. Well, and that's why it's called faith. You know? It's yeah. faith. And therefore, in my book, if your faith works for you, right. it's true. Right. Period. Yeah. No one can disprove it. No one can prove it. So. The thing I struggle with is when there are when there are data and facts to dispute and the people still say, I don't believe it. Right. Um, and then when you question them, they say, well, you just have to have faith. Yeah. It's, to me, it seems like that's just a really easy answer. Well, it is. It's like, I mean, I people will say, well, the Earth is really just 2,000 years old and all these scientists are wrong. It's like, you know, I, I, I find that hard to believe. I, I, so what if it doesn't invalidate your faith if you were to say all the Earth sudden. is millions of billions of years old? I mean, it, it, really, if you think about it in a more holistic point of view, right. it doesn't invalidate what you believe inside, but some people take everything so literally, yeah, then it what, becomes... What difference does it make, Jamie? It, it, what difference it, does it make if if the Earth is is four billion years old, the universe yeah. is... What difference does You're it right. make? You're right, it doesn't. It doesn't make any difference right. at all. What difference does having a community around you that loves you, supports you, cares about you, will take care of you when you get cancer, right. and will bring... It what is one and strives to be better, you know? That's, that's where I think the root of religion is, is you're trying to be a better person, whether it's, you know, a better father, a better husband, a better mother, you know, all that right. stuff. Certainly we can and use more of that. Right, you know, no it's, just give, it's, it's guidelines for that. And, yeah. You know, I have the discussions with my dad all the time, he's, he's a very devout Catholic, and, you know, the whole, uh, um, what was that big book that, you know, uh, Ryan, or, um, you know, the book. The book. The, the book. book. Uh, oh, the, not um. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, the, the Da Vinci Code. Yeah, 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 Da Vinci Code. You know, and so we had this yeah. discussion. My father-in-law was upset. By and that you book. know, my Why? dad is very yeah. My dad is very I upset say it's about fiction, that. right? <laughs> yeah. But I was telling him, and I said, you know, so what? You know, like, what if? Right. What if Mary Magdalene carried Jesus' baby? What if? Right. You know. Right. Like, what's the big deal? How has it changed where you are now? Right. You know, how, you, know you still yeah. believe the way you do, and you believe that because. You want to be a better person, and you want to provide better things for the people around you. And I will say that I, I do agree that you know that at the true heart of religion is about being a better person. But one thing I will say is you don't have to have it to be a good person either. And that's that's where that's one of the things that gets my goat is when Christians act like they have exclusivity on morality. And it's like, there are people out there that are good people, that are atheists, and they're good people. Now Why? Because that's just what you do. Not because they're following any rules. Not because there's rules to follow, just because that's what you do. I, and it's instinctual to them. That doesn't mean that they're bad people now because they don't think the way you do. That's the tribal, that's kind of the tribal sense that we have of protecting our family. Two really interesting stories for me. One is a missionary in Japan. You've got a country, Shintoism, that in, in the early 40s, the emperor says, oh, sorry, I'm not God, <laughs> screwed up, we're not going to win this war. And you got a generation of people who say, what in the world do we do now? God has gone, right? And so you have this whole 50-year period where no one believes, but you have the mores of the society. Now, let's go to China. Now, comes along and says, oh, we don't like this superstition crap. So any any effigy, anything that had anything to do with your beliefs, we're destroying. We destroy every temple, every icon, everything. The Cultural Revolution. No one will talk about it, even now, when I was over there. Finally find this guidance, and I talked to him. So if it's not religion, where do you get morality? Where do you know what's good, bad, ethical? He says, well, we teach it in school. 
we teach it in school. It's part of our communist doctrine. And we, we assign this to, to churches and to God. And in reality, there are human societal demands that require adherence to certain, certain principles. And so whether it's under the guise of communism or uh, or religion, I think. Communism is great because it always has the added benefit of taking all your land and property and money and giving right. it to everybody else too. So you're like, woo! Work really hard and give it all away. <laughs> well, now let's just, I know we don't have too much time left, but let's, before the podcast started, we kind of talked about the whole uh, business of religion. So that might be just an interesting kind of way. It is a big business, Absolutely. right? I mean, so there's—I don't know of any church that doesn't pass a plate around, right? Like the Mormons, and the Mormon plate is: once a year, you sit down with your bishop. Are you a full tithe payer? That is, did you give ten percent of your income? And if the answer is no, then you cannot have the full rights, privileges, uh, role of the full Mormon fellowship. And that accountability, which was kicked in in, the, in around 19, 1894 when the church was in the financial crisis, has literally made the church one of the richest institutions yeah. in the world. Because your salvation is tied to tithing. And tithing is not just give what you feel, give what you can. It's specifically, this is what you're giving. Yeah. Now you can talk net and gross, but uh, it's very powerful when all the benefits you get come from God, therefore you got to give your part back. Uh, but they also do a lot of good things with the money. We just don't know exactly what, where, and how. <laughs> yeah, but tying salvation to money, doesn't that feel kind of... I mean, to me... Is that what else spiritual? can you tie it to? Is this salvation free? I mean, your acts, your deeds. Well, salvation should be free. I mean, I would think it's it's a it's a set of beliefs, it's faith, it's a mindset that freedom isn't free. So why should it's salvation? The same thing, it's the same problem I have with Catholic Church. It says if you really want to get your sins forgiven, you got to go sit in that little booth, talk to the guy on the other side, and say all these things. And I'm like, wait a second. But uh, but then it's it's then you carry through with the penitents, you know? But see, then what the Baptists say is they think that's why they have issue with the Catholic Church because you need to be saved and, for, and forgiven by Jesus, not just be able to each week walk in the booth and then go back to right. your business. But, you know, and, and this is also... I'm getting an e-machine. You can buy it on eBay, you know? You can't? We need an e-machine we're going to test ourselves. See we how we're don't doing. knock okay. that too much, Jamie, okay. until you've tried it. Karma, dude. All right, let's Karma. Okay, we'll but buy you know, one on the machine. We'll go on. But the show. here's one kind of about the business. That's always been one of my philosophies about the Catholic Church. One of the reasons that they don't want to talk about responsible birth control and and, and the message is procreate, procreate, because they need more members to keep this church afloat. So let's just keep procreating more Catholics to give us more money, despite what it might be doing on the resources of the earth or that yeah. kind of thing. So. But it's also hard to change. Traditions for Absolutely. yeah, God. I mean, well, we've talked about changing a culture of a company. Oh yeah, that's right. That's right. <laughs> Which has, has nothing. It's been around for almost two thousand years. Yeah, uh, exactly. You know, stamina. Deep. <laughs> I want to get one more dig in. I am a a very proud Mormon. I I love the Mormon Church. I don't think it has anything to do with the one and only and the, the absolute place that everybody else who doesn't go through the Mormon routine doesn't go to heaven. But it is an extraordinary community and it's to live and to serve. And the amount of service opportunities that one gets to help their fellow man with no strings attached, no money, no nothing, uh, really make it a healthy place to now, live and grow your, raise your family. If, Quickly, a real quick question. What is the difference between LDS and RLDS? What is the difference? Go to the, go to the yellow pages and look up Baptist, and you'll see Southern Baptist Convention, Conservative Baptist. The okay, RLDS so split off when Joseph Smith died, Brigham Young, Ended up taking the, the the large crowd to the Utah mountains, and the ones that stayed around said, "Wait a minute, we think it should be the son of Joseph Smith who's the successor, not 
this wild-eyed Brigham Young. Okay. And so it was really so a split over succession. So based There was no right? clear succession plan in place, and that was where the split. Well, you had the FLDS too, right? That's a very fundamental. Well, and, and there are there are dozens and hundreds of offshoots. I've never done LSD. Now, a quick, here's one thing that somebody told me once, which I didn't know if this is true, that when Mormons get married, yeah. that the husband renames his wife. Is that correct? You know, that's such a twisted... That, what, you've been watching too much Big Love. No, this is just... Somebody there, told me I, when her friend got married, that first of all, she couldn't go because she wasn't Mormon and it was in a Mormon church, right. and that then her name changed because her husband gave her a new name at when they were at the altar. Oh, whatever. a new first name. Yeah. Oh. It's, is that true? I'm, part of the Mormon temple rites include various rituals and ceremonies, but from a, a all practical standpoint, there's no need. I mean, it, you are who you are. Your wife's and first name is still what her name was before yeah, she knew you. Yeah. But we do name everyone Mary now. No, I'm just <laughs> <laughs> uh, though on a, on a more serious note, Meryl, so if, if somebody wants to uh, give time and, and effort to help the church and, and people who aren't as privileged or struggling, how would they do that? So how, how would they... They don't have the money to tithe, is yeah. what your point so is? Yeah, so do they call the local church? I mean, kind of just how could they get involved? There, there are endless ways to do it, and, and all you have to do is look up in any white pages under churches, Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, you can find a million bishops, it's the second biggest church in Oregon, as, as it turns out, and um, just show up. Okay. No problem at all. No questions asked. If you don't pay your tithe, it doesn't matter. Okay. Well, this Good. has been, this it's has been fun. I, you know, in a way, I almost feel like we just kind of touched the surface. Yeah, so. yeah we need to do well, I thought we solved all the world's problems right here. I mean, okay. We threw out the bums in Congress. We uh, well, we took care of the Supreme Court, and, and now we solved, you know, the true church religious issue. That's true. World solved. Buy there we go. Machine. You can See? buy plans on how to make an e-machine. All right. Well, I guess we're going to have to look at this whole e-machine thing. Yeah, because I have no idea what he's talking about. Do an episode. Oh, yeah. It's I didn't not with Scientology, but I'm not exactly sure. You hook it up, and goes like uh, Napoleon Dynamite and that uh, time machine that they it's had. It's pretty much at the crystal. Careful, he was a Mormon. Be very, very careful. Be very that careful. That needs to be on the say. front of the show on the webpage for this week. The, little, the time, the machine, time from machine from Napoleon Dynamite. Well, we appreciate you Thank coming you, here Meryl. and right. talking well, with my us. Pleasure. I hope you enjoyed it. It's, it's always, great fun. I always love sitting and talking with Meryl, so I'm glad he was able to come. If you need to get a hold of us, it's the show at beer30live.com. That's B E R 30. B E E R. Or yeah. Not Burr 30. Or that too. <laughs> Beer. Bear. Burr. Well, that's how, that's I call how you do it in Silverton. Burr. Burr. I'm going to call Burr. Call Burr. <laughs> uh, Shane at Beer30Live.com. And now, and, and, and that's true. And we're talking about maybe taking next week off since yeah. it's kind of yeah, 4th of July, July weekend July. kind of thing. Yeah. So we, and we I may can, be gone next week. When I can figure out this newfangled equipment, maybe yeah, we'll get the show. If we can get our shows up on the website and into iTunes. So bear with us. But yeah, so if we're not here next week, we will be back um, the following week. Write I think us, it's send the us comments. They're always good. Definitely. What do you like about the show? What do you want to hear us talk about? That kind of thing. We're always open to that. And we'll try to find a guest. So with that, we're, we're out. out.